0: Christine Skoll, hi at home. I'm usually at home through the little box um, coming to church, but it's really nice to see your faces and to be together with you. Um, I am delighted to be here this morning. The Advent Conspiracy, I was kind of rolling that over in my head and, and just thinking, Advent Conspiracy, you know what, how do those words even go together? So you know I'm a I'm a teacher type of person. So I look at the definitions, and I wanted to throw that you know you know throw that together for you. And the the definition of Advent is just welcoming some notable person, which in this case is Jesus, right? Christmas time, we are welcoming Jesus. So, how do we welcome Jesus? Conspiracy, the definition of that is to plot or plan together. We're plotting and we are planning to Advent together. So, that made perfect sense when I looked up those two things together. I said, we are plotting. And we are planning to worship Jesus well in this season, and we're doing it together. So we're not just as individuals going through the paces, but we are plotting and planning. So as we uh, go through these four weeks together under the Advent conspiracy, I was thinking of the themes. So last week we heard about worship fully, and I could... You know, worship fully. I can hear the, the, the choir sing. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Worship fully. Yes, that's what I want. That's what I want in my Advent season. I want my heart to worship Jesus f- fully, and then we look forward to the next theme, and the next theme is to give generously. And I can just see the little drummer boy, and he's playing, and he's like, "Shall I play for you?" perumpa pump pum you know, and he's just giving his little heart out, right? And I'm like, "Oh, Christmas all over!" And then the final week is uh, love everyone like, love everyone. Can you just see all the little people in Whoville? They're in a circle, and they're holding hands. And I looked up the words. It's faru fore, dahu dore. Welcome Christmas. And I'm thinking, oh, that's wonderful. And then I look at my, my theme, and I go, spend less. And all I can hear in my head is, she's a mean one. Mrs. Grinch, <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, worship fully, yay, give generously, yay, love everyone, absolutely, spend less. Hmm, I don't know about that. I don't know about spend less. How does that go? Is, that seems to compete with the Christmas spirit. For many of us, we think about mind-blowing gifts and extraordinary awe, so many lavish and unexpected gifts. That's what we want, but Spend less for us in this Advent season is more than a moral directive or a new commandment that I'm going to give you. At the Gospel Tab, we're not interested in shining up our behavior. We don't do that around here. We don't, we don't believe in those false pretenses. We want to bring our whole self in and do better mode and handling, handing everybody a list of communal guidelines. That's not what we're about here at the Gospel Tab. I'm not here to, you know, everybody get out your you know, your bank statement, and let's go over it together. But what we are interested in is following Jesus together. That is what unites us, is the spirit of the living God. So we want to take this Advent season and our spending, and we want to follow Jesus together. So we want, so I'm trying to think of this, spend less, and we we want to love him and follow him in every uh, area of our life, so we want to spend less, and I kept thinking, we want to spend less mindlessly. We want to spend less compulsively. We want to spend less selfishly. This is not necessarily a quantity of dollars that we are going after, but a mindset of worship. All right? So we, so let, let's think about it this way. We're going to spend more worshipfully. We're going to spend more prayerfully, and we're going to spend more compassionately. So we're going to look through that, and in some scriptures, if you want to look up, we'll, we'll be getting to Matthew 6, and that's kind of our key, our, our key passage, but I'll, I'll be in several places um, throughout this morning. But spending less actually may mean, after we look at Jesus and what he's telling us to do, It actually might mean spending more money for some people for some time. It might mean spending less money. But what it is is a change of mindset, a change of mindset that we bring it under submission to the worship of Jesus. So last week we talked about worshiping fully. So if I could give you a picture of this Advent conspiracy, we know we're four weeks, right? And I named all of the topics. But I want you to think of worship fully as the banner that goes above all of them. And then hanging from that banner are the ways that we worship fully. So hanging from that banner is to spend less mindlessly, compulsively, and selfishly. Spend more worshipfully, prayerfully, and compassionately. And then hanging from that banner is generous giving, generous giving, but it's to worship for to Jesus and to love everyone. But the banner of all of these things that we're doing is our worship and following Jesus together, okay? Is that a good picture for you? All right, so last week we talked about worship, and then uh, Steve mentioned Romans 12.1, which is a passage that I memorized a long time ago, but I read it again from the message, and I'd like to read it to you. As far as presenting our whole lives is worship to Jesus. In the message it says, so here what I, here's what I want you to do, Paul is writing. God helping you take your everyday ordinary lives. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops a well-formed maturity in you. Isn't that a great, that's the message Romans 12 through. And I just thought that was just a great encouragement to me that every area of my life, my finances, my diet, my exercise, my work ethic, my words spoken, and my words withheld can all be part of my life of worship to Jesus and are, and all need to come under submission to him. So, we are Jesus followers. That's what we do here at the Gospel Tab, and we are about... The Bible. We're Bible people, we say, and Jesus followers. So we want to look into Scripture and we want to go. So, what would Jesus be saying to us about spending right now? And we're just going to sit on the hillside with him. Uh, a long time ago, a few years ago, we were talking, about, we studied the Gospels and we were talking about come and follow. That we want to, as a community, come to Jesus and follow him. So we analyze our lives and we come and follow. We also talked about invitation and challenge. So we'll see both of those things in this passage. But let me give you the setting. So Jesus, at the beginning of his public ministry, uh, goes out and he is raised as a Jew in the synagogue in his church. And he uh, was able to teach and read the scriptures and explain the scriptures in the synagogue and he became a rabbi and he was able to be then followed by various disciples and it was common there were many different types of rabbis or teachers in that day and you could follow one and say oh i'm a follower of this rabbi well jesus as he was walking around calls the 12 disciples they're his followers it wasn't out of the norm But he became very popular because he taught with such authority and knowledge about the kingdom of God, and he knew the scriptures and what they meant. So his followers became more and more numerous. And at one point in time, he went out, and the followers just loved to hear him teach. And he went up on a hillside to teach his disciples, and they all sat down around. But there were thousands of people there to hear what he said because he had gained this reputation of having knowledge and having wisdom and having authority in the scriptures because he was the Son of God. He was the Word of God. So when he went out, the longest recording teaching or sermon of Jesus is called the Sermon on the Mount. The portion of scripture that we're going to be reading today is part of this three chapter Matthew 5, 6, and 7 Discourse that Jesus gives. And I spent time this week just reading through that whole discourse again and again and thinking, I have no idea why he was so popular. These are hard words. They're right between the eyes. I mean, you go from lust to anger to giving to, uh, I mean, he was everywhere in their lives to prayer and fasting. And, you know, he did start out with the Beatitudes. That was very comforting and good blessed are you if you are poor if you mourn if you're a peacemaker all of those things are blessing and happiness for for you but then he goes right in them and he keeps saying things like um you have heard but I tell you and what he's referring to is the old testament and the old covenant and really what the old covenant meant to the kingdom of god and so he was talking about the ten commandments and he was saying you have heard to do this not an eye for an eye i tell you forgive you have heard do not commit adultery i tell you don't lust in your mind or you've committed that you have heard not to be uh, not to murder i tell you if you are angry it's the same thing as murder I'm thinking, man, how did this guy get, you know, three, 4,000 people to come and hear this sermon? You know, it's not a pick-me-up. So right in the middle of that, he's talking about prayer and fasting and going into your private closet and, and pray and then fast. And when you do, don't do it behind closed door. I mean, don't, you know, do it for everyone to see, you know, wash yourself up, get out there, do your fasting, but let your father see what you're doing in private. But did you know, I didn't, so I don't think you do, but right after the prayer and the fasting in this section on worship, he transitions directly into finances and money. So let's read in in Matthew 6, 19, what Jesus is saying about money. Matthew 6, 19, and I'm going to skip 22 and 23 because I am. So let's just read this portion together. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in to steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in to steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Right between the eyes. Right between the eyes. So as I was studying this passage and digesting it, I was looking through and I was reading that it would have been very clear to the people in 19. It says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Treasures can be translated possessions, tangible items. It says where moths destroy, moths would specifically have destroyed clothing. So he's putting his finger on clothing. Do not store up for yourself clothing where moths can destroy. Then he goes on to, and vermin destroy. Vermin are all of the rodents and pests and things that are gravitated toward food. Do not store up for yourself food that can be eaten by bugs and rats and all of those things. Obviously, they didn't have fridges then. I do go shopping for the week. But... Um, so, he's specifically talking about clothing and food. And then finally, where thieves break in to steal. So, he's talking about valuable things jewels, diamonds, things that you would collect. So, it's a pretty comprehensive list that they would have understood. He said, don't store up for yourself clothes, food, and valuables where everything can be destroyed. So that is his invitation, his challenge. His invitation is, but do store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, things with an eternal connection, an eternal value, an eternal benefit. So it's a super, super clear sermon that he is referring to. And he, so then we are starting to bring under this, Banner of worship, we're starting to bring our spending and our relationship with money into line with our worship of Jesus. Okay, how do you do that? How do you do that? Well, Jim's family, every year, every holiday, has broccoli, rice, and cheese. That is a holiday meal. Everybody loves it. Great. You know, Velveeta, I could give you the recipe. Cream and mushroom soup, you know, delicious. Delicious. I asked my mother in law, I said, How did this come to be, this broccoli, rice, and cheese? Did this come from the old country? Did this, you know, where, you know, what is this broccoli, rice, and cheese thing? I came from the West Coast. We didn't eat anything like that. Um, for our traditional meals, we have a, a nasty jello salad that is a fixture. But yeah, we like it. Anyway, um, and my mother in law said, oh, Just got it out of a magazine one year. Everybody seemed to like it. So we have it for every single holiday. It isn't a holiday unless we have broccoli, rice, and cheese. And she found it in a magazine one year. And I was thinking how traditions are born, right? How are traditions born? Where did this come from, this thing that we're doing, this compulsion to make broccoli, rice, and cheese that is delicious? Everybody, all my crew likes it. But it came from a magazine one year, and one year... It was the new thing on the table. That first year, nobody had had broccoli, rice, and cheese before. And for us, when we're reading scripture, sometimes the Lord deposits a truth in our lives that is a brand new broccoli, rice, and cheese. We say, I've never done that before. I've never thought about my spending being part of my worship. I've never even thought of that before. This is a new tradition. This Advent conspiracy is something we can do year and year and year, and we can work it like yeast into the dough of our lives. Work it in, work it in, work it in, and say, okay, so is this the first year you've seen broccoli, rice, and cheese spending as part of worship? Is this the first year that this is on your table? Let's think about that. Let's just do a selah as a Bible word for Let's just think about that for a minute. How would my spending be worship to Jesus. So we know from Scripture that God and his instructions always contend for our freedom. He never wants us to bind us up. He always wants to free us into the life that we are supposed to live. That is a Bible promise and a Bible truth. He contends for our freedom. So he wants freedom um, from lust, from anger, from bad relationships, from debt, from drug addiction, from, um, from compulsive habits, from debt, and he wants to give us peace in all of those things. That's the direction that we're heading. So welcome to this journey with us if it's your first day, if your 63rd day, if it's your 3,015th day. But I wanted to cross-reference this Bible truth that Jesus preaches on the Sermon of the Mount with other scriptures. And let me tell you, all of the scriptures are in line with exactly what Jesus said. Spoiler alert. But I can't talk about spending without talking about James 5 and what the warning that it has to rich people. And I will tell you that we are all wealthy, historically and globally, if you are Watching on internet and looking on a device, or if you have one, or access to one, you are considered wealthy, globally and historically. It's hard to see because we tend to compare to one another, but it's true that we are. So this warning should be for all of us in our society and culture. It says, oh, I looked up all the versions to find the nicest one, okay? It is a very hard passage, by the way but i i honestly tried to find the nicest one for you all all right you ready james 5 1 through 6 look here you rich people weep and groan with anguish because all of the terrible troubles ahead of you your wealth is rotting away and your fine clothes are moth eaten rags and your gold and silver are corroded And the very wealth you are counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. This corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. For listen, hear the cries of the field workers from whom you have cheated their pay. The cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's armies. You have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. It is a very sobering scripture for the American society that we do not think of the repercussions of our spending habits and the people that it affects and Scripture wants to lead us into freedom, not just for ourselves but for all people all right so here 's a quote with our for our spending. Oh, I will tell you a little story. I like to shop at this place. Um, I travel a lot, I go to England, I shop at this place, Primark and really cheap clothes. get all my tights there girls, camis, shoes, all of those things. I found out. Uh, after I started shopping there, there was a terrible factory disaster in Bangladesh that killed thousands of people. And I found out that this store sourced their items from this place, and it was deplorable work conditions. And so the, the application of this scripture for me is that I did not look into where my cheaper items were coming from, and I chose not to see who was affected by my shopping and spending habits. And I went onto their website, and this whole company was exposed, and they have cleaned up their act, and now they are part of of fair trade uh, practices. However, in that moment, I felt responsible for that factory. I felt that my choices had contributed. And I felt like that weight of this passage of Scripture was on me in part. So I just passed that along. I know we're going down. We'll come back up. Um, This quote really jumped out to me. Our adversary, the devil, majors in three things, noise, hurry, and crowds. If he can engage us with muchness and manyness, he will rest satisfied. All he has to do is snap. Look here. Look here. Look here. Look there. Go, 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 go. Go, go, go. Much, noise, hurry. Maybe you can feel it starting at this time of year, hopefully less this year than in years past. Another one in the Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. He writes, one demon is writing to another, the devil doesn't need to make you feel bad if he can keep you distracted. As Screwtape concludes, the safest road to hell is a gradual one. The gentle slope, the soft underfoot, without sudden turns, without milestones, without signposts. And so often we're on a path and we didn't even know that we chose it. And so I just want to challenge you this morning that there's another way that we can bring our spending in line with our worship. So what do we need for spending? We need a vision. We need a vision for our spending. Let me talk about Proverbs 29, 18, 18 says, where there's no revelation or vision, people cast off restraint but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. So if we have no vision for what our spending is supposed to be in the context of following Jesus, we have no reason to restrain ourselves. The only thing dictating is our own desires. What do I want? I tell my kids it's the I want monster. We, have, we all have an I want monster inside of us. I want this, I want this. And his cousin, I don't want, I don't want that, I don't want that. And we default to the I want monster or the I don't want monster if we don't put Jesus in a governing place in our life. All right, so we need that vision. Without it, we'll cast off restraint. So we need to ask God, where would you like me to put my money in this bank account? We need to sit, hush, listen. You may spend less because you can't hear what he's saying. Listen anyway. You may spend more because... You heard him wrong. That's okay. Just listen. I recently read a story about Mother Teresa of Calcutta. A, a um, reporter asked her a question Mother Teresa, when you pray, what do you pray? And she said, Well, I don't speak very much at all. I just listen. And he says, Oh, well, when you pray, what does God say? And she says, Oh, He just listens. And the reporter said, I don't understand. If you don't speak and he doesn't speak, then how is that even prayer? And she says, dear, if you don't understand that, I can't explain it to you. Because there is a communion with Jesus that happens when we direct our thoughts to listening to him. He directs his thoughts to listening to us Spirit." to spirit soul to soul when you walk away from those wordless times those silent times you can be transformed even though you didn't hear words at all because you were in the company of the spirit of the living god And you bring that filter with you as you walk out of that place, even though you may not have heard words. And you just carry the presence of Jesus into your spending. You just carry the presence of Jesus into your activities. You just say, the presence of Jesus is with me. I felt it. I know it. I'm going to carry this into my life and my choices. And it changes you. So Ecclesiastes 3.11 he has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also set the heart, eternity in their hearts, without the poss- that possibility that mankind could work out. Okay, I'll start again. He has also set the eternity in their hearts without the possibility that mankind will find out the work that God has done from the beginning even to the end. There is a mystery. Everything is okay if God says it's okay in its right time. And God says, you won't even know from the beginning to the end all the things that I have planned. So Jesus says, eyes up here. Eyes on me. I'll lead you through. I will take you through this journey. So here's some practical applications Sister Mama Christine and the Gospel Tab family, we're just going to walk through some mental exercises for us. And I'm just praying, and I prayed over you this morning, that Jesus would just highlight for you any of these things that you're supposed to engage in or not engage in. We're just going to go through a list. It was provided to me. I added some of my own. Let's just go through a list of of these things through and kind of do a self-analysis right now. Lord Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, come right now and speak to us, the words that you have chosen for us. We don't have to listen and know everything. We just have to keep our eyes on you and follow you and do the next thing you say. All right, here we go. Check your motivation. Am I no- motivated by temperament? I thought I was home free on this one because I'm not a shopper. I don't like to shop. I don't like shopping. I don't really like gift giving, except my kids. I really like to give my kids gifts. But um, so I thought, oh, free pass. I'm not, I, you know. But my temperament of not being a shopper in light of spending mindlessly, compulsively or selfishly, I'm still all messed up. I I still need to spend prayerfully and worshipfully and compassionately. So I'm not on the hook. And if you're a shopper, if that's your temperament, it's okay. Same deal. We need to switch over. Do I spend because I'm a shopper or I'm not a shopper? Do I spend out of tradition? This is the way we do it in our family. I can't not do this. There are obligations with this extended family that I cannot pass on. So that is something that you have to wrestle through. Another one, what about the expectations of other others? This person gave me a gift. I need to give them a gift. I need to send something right back. Or I need to do this. Uh, all the teachers, I had four kids, and they all had multiple teachers, and finally I just Croaked, I fell over because it was just too much. I couldn't keep up with all of the things. And it was a compulsion and it was not out of love. And I said, oh, I need to feel freedom from a certain amount of this. Or then, is it from impulse? According to the social dilemma, if you've watched that on Netflix, Google's got your number on social media, in your emails, on your. Everything else, they will find what they think the perfect gift is that you will want to give yourself or someone else, and it will come up everywhere. I don't know if you've seen that. It's like, why do you think I want that? I don't want that. It's because I'm 50 something. Anyway, so maybe those things, but let's keep this in context. You and Jesus pair uniquely in the context of your temperament, of your motivations of your family, of your culture. Jesus does not want you to jettison all of who you are. He wants to partner with who you are. He wants to be with you in your spending, in your culture, in your, uh, in your habits, in your impulses. He wants to join you in that. And he wants to be over temperament and culture. And those things. So just putting Jesus in his right place and not saying, forgetting, well, that's a tradition, so I can't do it, the girl said on church. Girl said at church, you can't do that because it's tradition. No, it's not really that. All things are right in their time. We just put worship in Jesus, worship of Jesus first. Okay? Secondly, let's analyze our, our anxiety. Stop and ask yourself a few questions. Number one, is this a worthwhile, this is a worthwhile exercise with do I forfeit the pleasure of spending because I want to reserve cash for things that may arise? So my, I'm still trusting money. My worship, this might be an idol for me. I'm not spending money. I'm spending less, check the box, but I'm spending less because I want to have more for myself. That's not a check box. Or do you spend so that you can have that rush of a power? Or accomplishment that it brings, like I got that, I got that, I got that, I got that. Well, I'm trusting money and spending to do that for me, and still it's not in the place of worship and submission to Jesus. So analyze those, and then, if in my relationship with Jesus, He, encouraged me, he encourages me to spend more, or not spend as much, in contrast to my feelings, am I able to trust Him rather than the money, because Money, more than almost anything else, will reveal our idols that we are trusting in above Jesus. So analyze your heart. Does spending more, spending less, cause me anxiety? Is money an idol in my life? It's like, if it is, we can bring that. We can bring that back in under worship. So questions. We need to slow down, prayerfully ask, why do I want to buy this? What would happen if I did not buy this for this person? How can I show love without spending money? What kind of company am I supporting if I purchase this product? Do you see how all of these things are going to slow you down in spending? I don't know if we'd be able to keep the pace if we run the grid of these things or even a few of these things. Can I afford to spend this amount? How many presents do we actually need? What did we do with the presents from last year? Real quick, 2015, what was the favorite present you unwrapped? Favorite present you wrapped in, 2015. Come on, come on, you can think. We have no idea. I can't tell you what I got in 2015. It could have been my pajamas. I like those. But I have no idea because these are not lasting. These are not lasting things that I'm spending my money on. Some of them are necessary. And then ideas to help you spend less. No debt. If you are getting out your credit card and you have to go into debt, let me just tell you, Sister Christine is telling you right now, the Bible says no. The Bible says no debt. I'm just going to tell you what the standard is. The standard is there's nothing in the Bible that condones going into debt. In fact, I've read very strong words to the contrary. And go back to what does that make you feel if debt is your only way to get to the Christmas that you think should happen in your life? That's a, that could be a spiritual moment. That can be a spiritual moment. So uh, make a Christmas budget and stick to it is an idea. Pray for the people on your Christmas list before you purchase anything for them and spend with eternity for them in mind. It still might be pajamas. Still might be slippers. I'm not I'm not the Grinch girl. I'm not the this is not a moral commandment to you. I'm not checking anything. I'm just submitting this to you to bring this in line with the worship. Finally, pray and do what is best for you according to what Jesus says and resist comparing yourself to other people. Research companies that are fair trade in our hearts, that are local, that have eternal purposes in mind. These are all good and wise things to do. Mindless consumption is not the way of Jesus. Involve your Advent family or your friends and spending convictions. Notice how much you're spending on other Christmas activities, going out to eat, new outfits, wrapping paper, you know, one for you, one for me, presents. Um, Write down five things you're thankful for. um, And then give every dollar a name. And at the root of it, like, this is my Christmas budget. At the root of it, uh, make sure it's love. And give generously without compulsion. Donate and use toys to a local organization and bless somebody else with that activity rather than spending money. So this week, our devotions will be centered on waiting. Waiting for Christmas, waiting for gifts, waiting for a vaccine, waiting for the pandemic to be over, waiting for Mr. or Mrs. Wright to come along, waiting for a child, waiting for a child to grow up, uh, a relationship to reconcile, waiting for my healing, waiting for freedom, waiting for wrong things to be right, waiting for Jesus to fix that forever. It, we, we're in a safe place if we go and wait with Jesus. We're in a safe place. Any of those things, all the things you're waiting for. So let's think about this for a minute. Did God spend less? When he sent Jesus, he spent lavishly and sent him at just the right time for everyone that he loves to bring them all in relationship with him for all of eternity. God has spent so much on you with his presence, with his forgiveness, with his mercy, with his power. The power of Jesus is alive in you through the power of the Holy Spirit to bring you and walk you into all freedom. He did not spend miserly amounts on you. He spent lavishly on you. So it's just a natural reaction that we reflect his character in our spending, that we are generous. We'll talk about that next week. But that we are worshipful. And have eternity in our mind. So spend less mindlessly. Spend less selfishly. Spend less compulsively. Spend more prayerfully. Spre- spend more worshipfully. And spend more compassionately for eternity. Right? Thank you.